Well, another great Tuesday night of college basketball allowed Kansas to grab a share of the Big 12 lead on the road, while Creighton couldn't do the same in the Big East in a double OT thriller. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome in to Locked On College Basketball, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and yes, I did just say Thrilla a second ago. Sitting next to me, at least on your screen, is our guy, Leaf Tulane, fresh off a visit to the dentist's office. He's looking fresh and ready to go. We want to thank you for diving into the show with us, which today is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, Kansas and Kansas State each traveled south of the border to play one of the Oklahoma schools with different results, and we'll get you ready for a massive top 10 SEC showdown tonight in Knoxville. But first, Leaf, Creighton at Providence, 24 at 18. The Blue Jays miss out on an opportunity to keep pace with Marquette atop the Big East standings in a wild game that saw 20 lead changes, 17 ties, Creighton misses opportunities to win at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime. What is your biggest takeaway from this game? I'd say that the teams in the Big East, the top four in specific, are really, really tough to beat at home. And, and UConn, you can throw in that boat as well. They've lost two, though. Um, and Providence just had this, well, do we can't lose this at home. It's almost like in tennis when you're trying to hold serve. Hold serve, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that Creighton, is probably playing the best basketball of any team in the, in, in the entire Big East. Yeah, I would say if in the entire Big East, but it's hard to win on the road. And I think this game had monumental impact on what will be the standings as to who wins the tournament, uh, the Big East regular, regular season, season. Into the tournament. Um, and I also think that Devin Carter is one of the most underrated players Ooh. in the country. He had a great game. And and I think you're right, going back to the standings. If I'm if I'm Coach McDermott's and Coach McDermott's team this morning, I'm kicking myself because you had a massive opportunity to get this win on the road and and really help your your standing. Because keep in mind, folks, tonight Xavier is at Marquette in a, the other two teams atop the Big East standings. And so really, really misses an opportunity. That said. I thought they showed themselves really well in what was an incredible environment there in Providence for this game. Uh, but for Ed Cooley's team, yeah, like you said, this is massive for them to get this win at home. Uh, something I love, though, you know, I talked about Creighton missing an opportunity at the end of regulation. They had a ball on the sideline on, on, on the front court, their side of the court, with about eight seconds to go. And Providence brought this hard trap um, that Creighton couldn't get out of. Um, and I, so kudos to coach Cooley for calling that trap. I mean, it's risky. They get the, the ball out of that and it, it could be a wide open layup for the game, but the trap works. Here's my question though. Why do you think Creighton doesn't use their final timeout in that scenario to maybe set up another opportunity to end the game in regulation? I think it happens so fast that that, <laughs> that that you just don't have time to think about it. Like either Coach McDermott has to be like, "Oh my gosh, got to call timeout," or nothing's going to happen. So yeah. the players aren't wired to call timeout there. So I I think it's a valid point. After the fact, I just think it's too fast to do so. Uh, one point that I that I'd like to bring up about this do it, game do it. Uh, is, is that 
the five scores for for Creighton, their starters, scored all but four points and shot all but one field goal in this game. Goodness. While I think they're playing the best basketball in the Big East, I think they have downfalls, and I think it got exposed in a double overtime game in which they had opportunities to win, in which there were 20 lead changes. The largest lead was six for Creighton. All game until the obviously end score was eight, but that that's in double overtime. So I, I feel like there's a bit of a caveat there. And <laughs> Baylor Shireman shot two of 12. So if I'm Creighton, I'm saying, man, that's a uh, two of 12 from three, four of 15 from the field. And, and so I'm kicking myself. But at the same time, it's I think you've positioned yourself well. Like you, you almost don't want to win every single game in a row heading into the Big East tournament. Like there's too much pressure going into it. And I, like I said, I think they're playing the best basketball. Um, I don't think they're going to win the conference now that what I've seen, but had they won this game, I think they would have. And I think this is the biggest game in the Big East season. If you look at every remaining team's schedule, um, Creighton's got the best schedule. So had they won, they would be the clear favorite. Of position. Yeah. Look, looking at it right now, they've got five games left at St. John's home to Marquette. That is a big one coming up next Tuesday. But then uh, at Villanova, who's quietly playing better now that they've got Justin Moore back. But then home to Georgetown and at DePaul. And so you feel like you should easily go 4-1. and one, And you got a good shot since you're playing Marquette at home to go 5-0 and oh down the stretch. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what else happens there in the Big East standings. But I think we've got this clear top four of Providence and Creighton and Marquette and Xavier. Now, let, let's quickly turn, Leaf, unless you got anything else on the Providence-Creighton game. Uh, let's turn our attention to Xavier at Marquette tonight. Don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but FanDuel, our official sports betting sponsor, has Marquette favored by five at home. Xavier obviously still without Ryan Kalkbrenner, which is going to hurt. Um, uh, Freemantle. Zach Freemantle, uh, wrong big guy, wrong long last name. Uh, as I said, I was like, nope, wrong dude. Um, Kalkbrenner uh, would be our guy from Creighton who had that loss last night. And so as you look at this game, is there any any thought that Xavier might walk in there to Marquette and come away with a victory? They certainly can score well enough, too. I just think that not having Fremantle, I feel like it's the kind of the scrappiest player of, of Xavier's bunch. Uh, really hurts in a game where you're going to be needing stops. Um, I've said this before that Xavier plays awesome offense and their defense is problematic, but they find a way to play decent defense at end of games. And they're typically good at the end of games. But I've said that when they had Zach Fremantle. And so <laughs> now, now ha- not having him, I think it really is problematic. So I do think Marquette wins this game. And this I think is the second biggest game of the Big East schedule because yesterday's really gave a clear path to if Creighton had won, I think they would have won the conference. Um, I think Marquette, if they win, wins this conference uh, because now they have a favorable schedule where their hardest game is uh, at home. They play at home for for their biggest games. And and I think that in this game, what it will come down to is I I always say this guard play, but I, and I, and I think that Sule Bloom's awesome, but Tyler Kolek in the recent games where Marquette has been not great, they, they, they squeaked out one win. They lost to UConn and actually got beaten badly by UConn. It was people are making Kolek score. I don't think Xavier's got the personnel to really trouble um, Marquette's wings that they deny and, and the length that UConn had making Kolek be the only score. So I think that this is a game Marquette manages well. I agree. I am very much uh, looking forward to that backcourt matchup with Boom and, and Kolek tonight. Just two of the best 
in the country. I'm, I'm with you. It's it's kind of the same as earlier this season where Creighton had that six-game losing streak. Um, and, I mean, it just – without Kalkbrenner. And so it just seems like for Xavier, man, it's a, such a tough time to lose Fremantle. But we will see what happens. I'm with you. I'm going Marquette to both win and cover that five-and-a-half-point spread at home. As you said, very tough to win on the road in the Big East. Well, Leaf, let's turn our attention from the Big East to the Big 12, where both Kansas schools headed south to Oklahoma last night with different results. And while they went in the same direction geographically, these two teams are headed in opposite directions in the Big 12 standings. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We're at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. I've got Giannis on my fantasy team, and I need him to do work. And so I'm always taking his player prop points all week long. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game part. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, Leaf, Tuesday night, number five Kansas goes to Oklahoma State, who has been playing much better of late. It's an 87-76 victory there. Meanwhile, Kansas State goes to Oklahoma to Norman and is not able to do the same. They fall to the Sooners 79-65. to Let's start with the Kansas-Oklahoma State game. Uh a couple big picture takeaways, and then I, w- I want you to go with it where you will. Uh, my biggest concern about the game is not anything from the game, but going forward. It looked like Kevin McCuller um, had a, a bad, bad uh, lower, probably ankle sprain or maybe high ankle sprain type situation. He was in a ton of pain at the end of the game there and is intimately integral for what this team does. Um, to wit, the biggest takeaway in terms of the actual game itself was that he and Dewan Harris, who to me is one of the most important playmaking point guards in the country, combined for 17 assists and just one turnover in this game. And so without McCuller able to help Harris with that playmaking capability, uh, will Kansas be all right going forward, especially thinking ahead to this matchup with Baylor on Saturday? Yeah, Kevin McCuller is the X factor for this team. And I was going to use that same stat as a 17 assist to, to one turnover for those two. And I think when he scores the ball and puts in pressure on the defense, rather than just being a good defender and rebounder, that really elevates Kansas. So I think that does uh, really limit their um, ceiling in the next couple of weeks. You hope he's back to full strength by the tournament. I think he's particularly important against Baylor because he's the best defender. Um, who he guards? Probably Keontae George. But now you're going to have now you're going to have issues because Kansas, like a team uh, like Creighton, has a great starting five and a limited bench. And so I have I have my concerns about that. I really think that he's the X factor. He's someone I've quietly really loved watching play for the past five years. <laughs> the the thing that I'll say about this game though 
Kansas showed their upper echelon ability to win games. Like, and it wasn't always pretty. They did offensively play well against a very good defense in, in Oklahoma State. But how often in conference play, especially Big 12 play, does a road team win by double digits? <laughs> yes. Never, never. Oh, and, and then it's, it's perfectly encapsulated by Kansas State, who's a similarly ranked team, going to Oklahoma, who's a similarly ranked team to Oklahoma State. And they they were the inferior team most of the night. It was close for a while, but Oklahoma State, I mean sorry, Oklahoma was better. And, and field think, had a night, man. And and I think I think there's a significant difference between Kansas and Kansas State in terms of who's truly a contender. Uh, and th- this is no shock for you and I. We've discussed this before. I don't think Kansas State's a contender. They're a nice story. Jerome Tang may may well win and probably should win uh, coach of the year, and he's building something special. But Bill Self's built this program. It's established. They expect to win, and you saw that. As for Oklahoma, I think Porter Moser's arguably the best tactician in basketball. And this team is that is a statement, Leaf Tulane. And I mean, you you watch him at Loyola get to the Final Four twice, or or, sorry, Final Four once, and and uh, on the doorstep lost in the Sweet Sixteen, but probably should have won that. they beat Illinois that time. That was a really good Illinois. That team. was that Io Desumu team. Yeah, yeah took, took them to school. But but my point being is that this team's not overly talented. They got a good player in Jalen Hill. They got Grant Sherfield. They got the Groves brothers. But they they were able to out execute and out tough at home a team like Kansas State. And I think that speaks to me more about Kansas being able to win these games on the road, especially starting to round into form, than it does to me about Kansas State because I feel like they confirm my suspicion of not being a true contender. However, it's hard to fault them because no one really wins on the road in the Big 12. So maybe I'm coming off harsh, but that's just maybe confirmation bias because that's something I've felt for a couple weeks now. Well, and going back to the Kansas-Oklahoma State game, if if you had told me going into it, hey, listen, Jalen Wilson's going to have 14. Uh, I would not say that Kansas is going to win by double digits. But you look at it, and it's the stud freshman Grady Dick with a career-high 26 points. If he's going to do that and be like, I feel like he and Wilson can be the Robin to each other's Batman and flip flop back and forth on any given day. And if they've got that with Dewan Harris, KJ Adams still pitching in 15, man, if, if Kevin McCuller can get back healthy, uh, same with Edgy Four, Uday's coming along. Like, I, I feel like there is some development in that bench. I'm with you in what you said. I think they do have a thinner bench, but you're seeing more development. Still wanting uh, more time for MJ Rice because uh, I think he can be an, an, a helpful piece down the stretch here. But seeing Grady Dick do this on the road against, as you said, a, a really strong Oklahoma State team, I think I thought was a big deal for Bill Self last night in this one. Um, and so uh, just, man, the Big 12 just continues to be wild because now as we look at these standings by virtue of that win, Kansas moves into a tie atop the Big 12 with Texas. Oh, and that Baylor team that started off 0-3 in conference play but has gone 9-1 and since in conference play. So, Leaf, as you look at this thing today and knowing that we have that Kansas-Baylor matchup coming up on Saturday – if we, you and I had this conversation on Twitter this week already, so now I'm going to pose to you your own question. If you were calling it today, which of those three teams, or a different one, or a different one, I'm not saying it's got to be one of those three. It will be, though. Which of those three teams wins the Big 12 regular season? So in terms of quality of basketball, while I pull up the schedules, I, I think Baylor is playing the best. 
the fact that McCuller got hurt really makes me hesitant to take Kansas because I've talked about how he's their defensive anchor and he's the type of guy that you really need to play well in big games when you're playing people of the same ability. Kansas goes on to play a, a few tough games. Obviously, Baylor, they're playing at home after Baylor beat Kansas at Baylor. Then they play at TCU. TCU would be a nightmare to play um, <laughs> as Kansas already got ran out of their own gym by TCU that's if right. Mike Miles was playing, but that's a question mark. West Virginia, Texas Tech at home, and then at Texas to finish. So that, that's a gauntlet, but every every Big 12 schedule is going to be similar. <laughs> yeah. So I would imagine they go 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one in that. Now I'll pull up Texas's and, and kind of just delineate what I think. Texas is going – I think they're going to beat Oklahoma at home. I think they're going to beat Iowa State at home, lose to Baylor on the road, and then they play at TCU <laughs> and, and, and at home at Kansas. I think they go 3-2 and two in that. So now they're tied. Now the question is, what can Baylor do? And Baylor, to me, is the hardest team to read because if any of their guys are off by a significant margin, it's 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 not good, and they play the best schedule. They play at Kansas, at Kansas State, at home against Texas, at Oklahoma State, and then versus Iowa State. So I would, if, if McCuller were not hurt, I would feel confident taking Kansas. Uh, right now, I think Texas is probably the safest bet because of schedule mostly because yeah schedule and, and but that's what matters it, it, right now i think baylor's playing the best basketball though so to answer your question i'd go with texas um i don't feel confident in that at all i think tcu might win against all three of those teams like tcu is a team i'm very fearful of because jamie dixon can coach uh one point about kansas uh, i know that was a scapegoat kind of answer i i, I no, don't know no, that's great and let me, before you move to that point let me just make the i appreciate the delineation you made and i'm with you i think based on schedules it looks like Texas sh- and injuries, I guess, as well. Texas probably should win the Big 12 regular season. Best on who's playing the best and who we probably trust the most in March, it's probably Baylor. Yeah, I, I think it, Baylor and Kansas have a track record. Like they're the last two national champions. They're, they know how to win and their teams are playing well. They're guard heavy. Uh, the point I was going to make, actually, real quickly, uh, if you're talking about the Big East, I, I would say Creighton and UConn are the teams playing the two best right now. And UConn, we didn't even discuss in the top four. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but the point I was going to make about Kansas is, I think they're better when Jalen Wilson scores under 20 points, Ooh. and that their team is able to feed off them because that. And and obviously, there's going to be exceptions to that rule. So if I were playing Kansas, and and I'm obviously not, but if I were playing <laughs> Kansas. I would do everything to take away and, and deny Grady Dick, especially, and deny the other players and make Jalen Wilson get 35 to beat you. And, and you saw that recipe work. He scored 38 against Kansas State. They win. And speaking of Kansas State, you saw Jalen Wilson have another monstrous performance against uh, TCU. He was the only player who scored uh, effectively in that game. So I, I think you've got to take away Grady Dick as their top option, even though Jalen Wilson's the best player. And that's going to give you the best chance. Whereas if Jalen Wilson can be a creator, give you 14 to 18, nine rebounds and play great defense and push the pace, Kansas is more dangerous. And that's where Kevin McCuller is so important. And obviously his injury is enormous, but because he's a great defender, but also when he scores 15 points like he did last night, Kansas is not going to lose games when Kevin McCuller scores 15 points because he's a hesitant shooter who hits big shots. He's got a knack to play well in big games. Uh, I thought he was the best defender for Kansas, uh, for Texas Tech last year on a team that, that nearly beat Duke in the Sweet 16, and he guarded Paolo Bancaro, who became the number one player in the NBA draft. And then he also had clutch shot after clutch shot against Notre Dame in the in the uh, 
the round before round of 32 that I, uh, that I attended. And I I've kind of thought if McCullers right and scores 10 points and Kansas is playing, they're, they're going to win those games because if he scores and Grady Dick scores, they're a whole different team. Man, very interesting stuff. I love those takes, Leaf. By the way, in real time, some quick injury updates from some Kansas beat writers. Post-game, Dewan Harris had his left ankle taped heavily walking out the locker room. Kevin McCuller had his right ankle taped heavily. Neither was in a boot, and both seemed upbeat and confident they'd be ready for Baylor on Saturday. If that's true, that changes some of the things. So we'll just have to keep an eye out because it's only Wednesday at this point. There's a lot of time between now and Saturday, uh, but hopefully both those guys will be ready. You want to see big-time players playing in big-time games by the way another ranked big 12 matchup tonight tcu at iowa state iowa state's been scuffling but as we've said very difficult to win on the road make sure you are ready for that one well folks we are going to shift conferences once again kind of wrap up looking bama first in the nation at tennessee number 10 in the nation coming up tonight we'll do that in just a second all right, Leaf Tulane, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPN2, number one, Alabama, at number 10, Tennessee. FanDuel has it right now, Tennessee favored by two and a half. And here's where I'm at, Leaf. You disagree or agree with me, I'm curious. Based on what's been happening so far, in, in recent weeks at least, I have no reason to think Tennessee has any business winning this game. But watch, I'm going to pick the Alabama quote-unquote upset by the line, and then Tennessee's going to go off and do this thing. This is a matchup of two top five Ken Palm defenses, Tennessee one, Alabama five. The difference for me, Alabama's 13th in offensive efficiency, while the Vols, Vols excuse me, are untrustworthy offensively as they are 49th. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that Alabama is the far more complete team. I think because it's at Tennessee – and Tennessee's been in a bit of a skid. Uh, for some reason, there's a reverse psychology that, that I apply. Is It's like when a team's in a skid, they're bound to break out eventually. That's right. That's right. Um, that said, this isn't a good team to play when you're trying to break out of a skid. Alabama, to me, uh, and Houston have been the best two teams all year. Um, I know Purdue's maintained the one spot for most of the season, but I, I felt strongly that Alabama and Houston have been the best two teams. But, but, I, but I think that Tennessee's best recipe – is really slowing this game down and Alabama has proven they can win a lot of different ways, but typically they play very fast. They have the number two tempo in America, according to Ken Palm. So I think typically when a team slows the game down, even if they're on different footing, the team that slows the game down has a better chance of winning. Uh, even if the team, and the best example, of this is Virginia. Virginia typically is favored. And, but when they slow the game, it plays into their hands. It's harder to speed a team up than it is to slow down. And then you play your game, you get your crowd into it. So that's the way they have a chance. I do agree that Alabama's the better team. I, I would, I, I will probably be betting this game. I haven't decided my bet yet. <laughs> I'll probably bet on Alabama money line just because I think there's a lot of value to have the better team as an underdog. But that said, I'm hesitant just because Tennessee is playing at home. They're veteran. They're really going to be amped up for this game. And Alabama, say what you will, they've won a lot of big games. Who have they beaten in the SEC play so far? Like SEC, I came into the year thinking, wow, this is going to be awesome. You're going to have a team like Arkansas, Kentucky. And uh, I was higher than most on Alabama coming in. I thought Florida was going to be really good. Tennessee was my preseason pick. Um, but I would say three of those five teams I named have been underwhelming. Yeah. 
And there's been a few that have overachieved, but I that I didn't name there, like namely uh, Missouri is fine. Yep. You've got oh, Missouri, and Missouri got blasted by Auburn last night. Yeah, oh boy, exactly. And Auburn's fine. Texas A&M's fine. But but I think that the SEC has been a little underwhelming as a whole, and Alabama hasn't really played that much of comp- good competition. Like Kentucky beating Kentucky at Rupp by 20 points is impressive, but this isn't a Kentucky that really is like, oh man, we just beat a good team. You beat a team that has talent, and that, I think that's a difference. So I, I would say that playing a team like Tennessee that at least you know is going to be veteran and composed um, is a little bit different. So that's the reason Tennessee could spring an upset or or win as the favorite. You know? <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> and interestingly, I mean, here's the other thing too. I think this game matters infinitely more for Tennessee than it does for Alabama. Alabama has a two-game lead in the SEC standings over A&M. Tennessee is two games back of A&M. So Alabama can afford to take a loss. I mean, obviously they don't want to, but I just feel like they are not uh, the team that would have more motivation. For Tennessee, they've lost three of four. If they lose this game, they've speaking of Rupp, they've got to go to Rupp on Saturday. I mean, you're pretty easily looking at if Tennessee drops this one, it could turn into a four-game losing streak in a hurry. I, as we've been talking about, Kentucky overwhelmed. But just like we're talking about Tennessee showing up, Kentucky could very easily show up on Saturday. And if Tennessee drops this one, I mean, they fall into this territory where they're basically tied with, with Auburn, a half game ahead of Kentucky, and Alabama then puts a stranglehold on the SEC standings if they win. So I think this is a much more desperate situation for Tennessee, and I think that could play into it very much as well. Uh, if you had to pick an X factor in terms of one player, who, who would you say is that for this game, Leaf? Um, I'll give you one from each team. I, I, I think that Noah Clowney is the X factor for for yeah. Alabama he's this he can play the small ball five and I think that's dangerous against Tennessee because they're really strong inside Uros Plavsic has brute strength Olivier Kamwa is a interior oriented player but he also provides the element of speed necessary to play uh the way Alabama wants to they want to get up and down and I think when he comes in they really are able to play that with that speed so I guess you could say that Bidiaco and Clowney the two bigs are the x-factors for Alabama and as for Tennessee, I think the X factor is Josiah Jordan James, Ooh. and he may well be their best player. Um, it, but I'd still say he's the X factor because I think he's most likely to be guarding Brandon Miller, yeah. and I think he's the best chance of creating offense individually. Yeah. I, I think you need a good shooting game from your backcourt of Vescovy and Ziegler, but the X factor to me is the guy guarding the best player on the court, and that's Brandon Miller. So that's Josiah Jordan James for Tennessee, and I also think you need to get at least 12, 13 points from him. Yeah. Um, and a couple three balls because Bama's defense is nothing to scoff at. Like Tennessee's at one point was like historically good. Like the pace was unbelievable. Yeah. And then against uh, Missouri, they kind of lost their pace a little bit. But uh, I, I think it's I think it's too hard to ask to score efficiently in the half court the way Tennessee plays against a good Alabama defense unless a guy like Josiah Jordan James hits a couple threes. And for me, to that point, that's why I will have Zakai Ziegler as my X factor for this game. I think when talking about trying to slow it down, dictate tempo, I want to see him come out and really set the tone because not only uh, is he one of the three double-digit scorers for Tennessee, he leads this team in assists with 5.4. So I want to see him dictate tempo of the game, facilitate, score when necessary, but really help set that pace 
for uh, for Rick Barnes' team there as they try to dictate the terms of engagement, if I can put it in that tone. Should be an electric atmosphere in Knoxville, folks. Make sure you're tuned into that one. Once again, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. Uh, a couple other quick notes before we get out of here. Multiple of these uh, games tonight, that'll be great. We've got three matchups between ranked teams. We've talked about all of them now. Um, a couple other quick nuggets for you. The New Mexico State saga continues after canceling their season. Head coach Greg Heyer was fired yesterday. The rest of the staff, at least at the time of this recording, still on leave. And we've since learned that all their remaining games, because the season done uh will be considered forfeit so that's big for the teams that were supposed to play them more in-depth conversation about this uh ongoing saga coming for you later this week also interesting stuff going on with gg jackson at south carolina he had that recent rant on instagram live no good and a very immature move from him since he has come off the bench in each of the last three of south carolina's games uh tenuous tenuous things going on in South Carolina so that's something Leaf and I and Andy and everyone will be keeping our eyes on as well um and Leaf I'm uh curious just with all your NBA draft stuff man uh how how does what Gigi Jackson's doing affect him in the eyes of general managers I'd imagine that his skill supersedes it but it's certainly something that you're wary of like there's background checks and and in a recent podcast, DeJounte Murray, who is a, a guy who had uh, concerns from front offices, <laughs> talked about how, how much he was scouted. Like they were talking to like middle school teachers. I'm not saying it will go that far, but I think the point is that the general managers will do their due diligence and try to figure out, well, where's this kid's heart at? What's the What are the intentions? But I think you watch him play, and that's, that's going to be the real evaluation tool. Does this hurt him in a, current, a, a couple of spots? Potentially. Do I think it's going to be a major issue? I don't. But um, it, it's a tough situation to be thrilled in if you're Gigi Jackson as well. I mean, it's a bad team. You chose it. But but that said, it's also helped your draft stock because you've gotten to display everything that you want to. But I can see the frustration. Was it immature? Absolutely. But you, like you said, immature is a key word. He, he was 17 starting playing yeah, college basketball. This kid basketball. is a high school senior, right? He just turned 18. So I. I don't really fault him too much. Do I think it was smart to do? Absolutely not. Do I condone it? Absolutely not. But I don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock that much. All right. Thank you, Lee, for that insight. Love to have just because of your love of college basketball, but also everything you do with the draft. It's just such great crossover material. So thank you for that insider insight. Friends, that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining Leaf and I. Please make sure to subscribe to the show. We're closing in on 500 on YouTube. Smash the like button. Leave some comments. As always, my apologies to the lawyer family. And until tomorrow, peace.